Welcome to another episode of Nut News, the show where you'll swear we're nuts because all we're going to talk about is prunus dulcis. Now, if my Latin is a little bit rusty, or if you need a brush up on your biology 101, that's Latin. We're supposed to be Latin for almonds, because this is the show about almonds. And today on the show, we're going to welcome back CEO of Select Harvest USA, Bob Nunez. And we're going to touch on the current market conditions. We're going to discuss the spring bloom. And then we're going to look ahead into summer growing conditions. Bob, it's always great to talk to you. Welcome back to the show. How are you doing today? Thank you very much. Glad to be here. And I'm doing just fine. Well, that's good to hear. We're recording on a Friday, so it's always a always feel good on Fridays. At least I do. I want to start with the, the March position report the Almond Board published here uh, recently. And March shipments... Uh, it was a record for March, and it was the second largest shipment number on record. It was pretty impressive. So, you know, kind of wanted your take on that, particularly because, you know, I was following some supply chain backups last few months, you know, with rolled bookings, delayed shipments, and kind of wanted your take on whether you felt that these March numbers were really just the industry kind of catching up from some of that, you know, bottlenecking or if this was really kind of returned to those really strong demand numbers that we were seeing earlier in the crop year, what's your take? Well, I think it's probably a combination of both. Uh, we're still having issues at the port and uh, with containers or or lack of getting bookings. And I, I think that's going to persist through at least the end of this crop year. But it did have probably something to do with it. But I, I think it's primarily ongoing demand. Uh, it was very impressive. I mean, we are... The industry has shipped and or committed just under 2.8 billion pounds, and that represents about 80% of the total supply for the crop this year and the carry-in. The last two crop years at the end of March was also 80% sold. So I think that's a comfortable level to be at that time. I think the industry targets that either directly or indirectly. And the last two years, uh, we ended the year at July 31st at 95% sold. And I think we're probably going to approach those numbers again. Well, so there's a couple of things in that response I wanted to touch on. You know, since we were already kind of t- talking about the shipping delays and you were expressing that, you know, you're thinking or you were projecting maybe through the end of the, the crop year. I mean, do you feel like things are getting better or are we still really in that period of of uncertainty where, you know, things can go south south really quickly? I mean, we just had a we just had a big ship, you know, stuck in the Suez Canal. I mean, that that obviously can't can't help anything. And <laughs> but um, I mean, it it's just been an ongoing concern of, of mine and I'm sure for for other people. So, I mean, do you have anything else to add or any other things that you're seeing out there? Like, is there any light at the end of the tunnel? Yeah, oh, I asked that question. We just had a meeting uh, a couple of days ago with our logistics team and customer service team, and they're not real optimistic. <laughs> they see things get better for a short period and then get worse again. And that's been an ongoing theme for several months, most of this year and this crop year. So I'm not real optimistic that things are going to get smooth or back to normal again in the very near future. So uh, we're just going to have to battle through it. And hopefully by, uh, you know, August, September, October, somewhere in there, things will will get better. You know, and something that I had in on my mind is, 
you know, supply chain issues that we face getting, you know, our product as an industry out to, you know, our, our export markets, particularly, it's not unique to our commodity, right? I mean, this is a, this is a global economy and, you know, I'm kind of wondering, have you heard from any of our, you know, whether it's, it's industry partners or our customers about other issues that they might be having? And, and let me, let me maybe rephrase this a little bit. I, I guess what I'm concerned about is, okay, so maybe we're successful at getting our almonds to whomever is going to be using them. But oftentimes, you know, these are going into products that require other input items. And I'm wondering if the supply chain issues that we're seeing could be affecting, you know, a normal almond user's uh, capacity to use almonds because they're short or can't get other things or, you know, having some other type of supply chain issues. So do you see this ripple effect causing, you know, any dampening on demand or, or use of almonds, even if we're successful in shipping them? No, I, I don't believe so. Uh, domestically, there's there's not an issue. Obviously, they, they don't have to go on a boat. But our export customers have been getting their their uh, containers and their products. And, you know, they know as well that there's a, a an issue. And so they're putting product on the water uh, knowing that it's going to be delayed, and and I think they have enough coming in on a constant basis that at least we're not hearing that they're they're having an issue meeting their their demand or their production uh, capacity. Yeah, I guess it's not anyone's first rodeo, or most people's you know been in the industry long enough to to know that you're going to have to be flexible. This kind of you know issue, so that that's good to hear. I mean, that's at least positive that at collectively as an industry it's you know not just us shipping them but our our users are finding ways to to mitigate the issues so that's really positive and honestly the numbers do do support that right i mean we've again we touched on the numbers from march being really impressive and global demand in export markets has been really strong and one thing that caught my eye particularly was china you know I would say the last few months, and you know, it might be a little bit longer than that, they've really come on strong of late. And you know, China is a market that we all know has really great potential. You know, an expanding uh, middle class, expanding wealth and affluency. But we've been in this climate of you know adversarial trade, and I think that's really suppressed China's uh, capacity and. And, you know, so, but here we are, I really don't feel like much has changed in the trade environment, yet China really seems to be buying a lot of almonds all of a sudden. So any insight there on what's going on? Well, I think there's a couple things at play. Australia, where they go to first because of the lack of a tariff, uh, had some issues. They had some quality issues last year, this year during harvest, during the pollinizer harvest, uh, they had severe weather, which caused some disruptions in in their uh, supply chain. But the demand, I think, is continuing to grow in in China. And almond prices are relatively cheap, uh, even with the the tariff. And they've come back strong, as you've indicated. And I I think that's going to continue. I don't see that changing. If they do come back anywhere near to their previous norms, I mean, that's a good thing for the almond industry. But even if they just continue to improve from where they are is going to be a big uh, development for the industry. Uh, and that, it kind of takes me into the the next thing I wanted to, to mention is, you know, we talked about the shipments and year to date, we're up almost 18% over last year's crop at this time. I think the expectation is with some pretty 
uh, with the with the existing large uh, commitment number and relatively lower targets to meet for the the final four months of the year uh, that we're going to beat the I don't know that we'll set records, but we're certainly going to beat last year's shipment numbers. And I think we're going to come in around 120 percent of last year's shipment numbers, which would give us a carry out of, uh, you know, somewhere in the mid 600s. Well, that's a strong 100, 150 million pounds lower than was have been talked about for some months. Uh, so that combination of this last shipment number and, and some, uh, some crop estimates have, have, have uh, surfaced and the market has rebounded 15 cents in just a few days. Well, I'm glad you touched on that because, you know, that carry out, carry forward into uh, the next crop year is is kind of an important barometer. You know, if you're carrying too much, then, you know, that's just an example of supply and demand being out of uh, alignment and a little oversupplied. And of course, you know, we, we all know how that can affect pricing. And, you know, okay, so a tight transition or, you know, a tighter one than expected might might push up prices a little bit. But then, of course, you have, you know, what the expectations are for for the next year. And I think that's just a great place for us to segue into talking about, you know, where we are in the following crop. So, you know, we had uh, the almond bloom happen here. It occurs towards the end of February and into uh, early, early March. Just kind of wanted your take on that. I mean, how, how did bloom go this year? Well, it was a very good bloom, considering the crop set that we just came off of. Overall, it was a, a, a fairly good bloom. We had excellent bloom weather, and so far, post-bloom weather has been very good. However, with all of those conditions, the crop set is is not what it was last year. It's definitely a good crop, but it's not going to rival last year's as far as yield per acre. There have been a couple of crop estimates, a prominent trader in the industry who comes out with a an estimate about this time every year has put their number at a 2.8 billion pound crop and I have a hard time disputing that I, or challenging that. I think it's a I think it's a very I think it's a very accurate number from what we know today. I tend to maybe be at at a 285 is kind of where I'm leaning towards and that's the number I'm using my projections off of. But you're splitting hairs at that point. So, and then there was another uh, estimate that came out just a tick under uh, two eight. So it, it's co- coalescing around that that two point eight billion pound mark. And I, I don't think you're getting much pushback from either side of the equation on on that number. So if you were to if we were to have a six hundred and thirty or forty or fifty million pound carry forward, and a two point eight or two point eight five crop, all of a sudden you can only have an increase in demand for the 2021 uh, crop of 3 to 4%. And that is just not going to be enough, I do not believe, to take on new demand. So I think we're going to see almond prices trend upward. I think new crop is going to start at a much higher uh, uh, spot than where it is t- trading today. So, I, you know, this... With this oversupply situation, it could have easily have, have lingered on for a couple of years. I, I think we're going to see a turnaround very quickly. Let me just I'll just play a little bit of devil advocate here. And what if I was to suggest that the demand that we've seen this year 
was really driven by by price. And what I'm getting at here is if you're suggesting that the price is going to be a, an upwards trend due to, you know, the expectation of, you know, a crop being a little bit smaller than it was this year. What would you say to that? I mean, do you feel that the demand that we've we've built this year is something that can be sustained outside of, uh, you know, a price increase? Absolutely. If you look at our history over the last few decades, every time we get an oversupply situation, these prices go down, we see record shipments, and those cheap almonds get into the into the into the the uh, consumers and it builds demand. And we've seen that time and again, that we see big increases in shipments after a, you know, a low price event. The reason the prices will be going up is to slow that demand down because the demand that if the prices were to, to stay where they are today, well, we would sell out obviously very quickly and, you know, that's not going to happen. So prices have to escalate to slow that demand down. Uh, the good news is we, I think we'll have enough almonds to at least continue an upward trend in demand as opposed to generating demand and then not being able to supply it, which would be a terrible you know, situation. So I don't see that. So I see it at a very healthy, a very healthy situation for the 2021 crop. Well, since we're talking about supply and we're focusing there, I want to talk about water. And particularly the drought conditions that California is is facing with. This is a second year now of dry weather, uh, and it's a lot drier than it was last year. You know, I'm tracking snowpacks in most of the Sierra, which feeds our our primary reservoirs at or below fifty percent of normal. Precip totals in some areas are are not even hitting a third of normal. A lot of our reservoirs are at or near historical lows for this time of year. And with that less you know, snowpack, the expectation to fill those with the spring runoff is really diminishing. So, you know, what have you been hearing on, on water supply and, and what are, what are your potential concerns that you're watching as we enter the, you know, the, the dry growing period that is our summer? Yeah, that now that the, I think the crop number has kind of been settled uh, at least until the next estimate and the, you know, the bloom is over and uh, shipments are resuming at record clips. Uh, the focus is water. And focus is uh, on water. Water issues in California is an ongoing and will be an ongoing challenge. It's not a good situation, as, as you've indicated. I think you've seen a lot of acreage come out of the ground this year, more than Normal, and I think that'll be confirmed with Land IQ when when they do their uh, their survey at the end of this year. I know talking to several growers, uh, especially in the South Valley, uh, free water has gotten you know eighteen to I heard up just twenty four hundred dollars an acre foot, which is ridiculous uh, and not sustainable. And they've decided to just take the trees out, and not just because they were low producing or older orchards. Uh, they just in the areas that some of these orchards are in, they know they're going to be in a difficult water situation. So that is kind of putting a lid on the bearing acres. You're going to have, I think, a lot more ground coming out and the plantings that are coming in are going to be more in the center and north where there is a better water situation. So it, I do believe for the acres that are in the ground, 
currently we will get enough water to get this crop off. Uh, we go into a third dry year, it's going to be significant impact. But I do I don't think it's going to have a a tremendous effect uh, as far as crop yields this year, as most people have secured their water or have removed trees where they they feel they they don't have it. You know, I don't know what to say anymore about the water because it's such a complex issue. And the long-term legislation that's in place is, you know, we're going to have a tremendous land use issue or change, especially in the South Valley. And you're just not going to see the permanent crops being planted in the long term. And you see the the land where water is available or more readily available escalate in price significantly. And then most lenders, certainly the farm credit, which probably does most of the lending in agriculture on real estate, you have to have a minimum of two sources of water. Uh, and in some areas, in some places, they're requiring three or, or you're not going to get financing. So it, it's going to limit the amount that you can plant. So it, it's going to be a challenge for the duration of farming in, in the state. The best we can do is take it crop year by crop year. And, you know, we, we market basically two crops at the same time or, that you know, we, we're finishing one, we're starting another. All I can look at is the 2021 crop. It's going to be painful for some growers uh, on the expense side, but they're going to get the crop off. Then 2022, we'll have to wait and see. Well, so I guess I have kind of two follow-up questions to that. One is, what are some of the effects of of drought or water restrictions? I mean, is it is it smaller almonds? Is it you know a crop failure? Is it you know the whole orchard dying? I mean, what what does it mean when when we can't get sufficient amount of water? Well, we've seen this uh, the last drought. So some of those questions I I think were answered or we'll see again is when you restrict water, you do restrict size to some degree. Uh, You also restrict the quality of the almond. You'll see more shrivel. They'll be more veiny. And there were some orchards that uh, in the past drought, they just gave enough water to keep the tree alive. Uh, they weren't worried about a crop. They just wanted to preserve the investment of the orchard. And it takes, when you do that for a year or more, it takes a little bit to bring that orchard back. And, you know, every grower obviously makes their own decision. But I think based on the experience of the last drought, I don't think you're going to see people, growers trying to keep trees alive. If they don't get enough water to to set a crop, I think they're going to remove the orchard. Unless it's a young orchard and, and they have, you know, some some road ahead of them. But if it's, you know, middle age or, or older orchards, they'll be coming out. And and I think we should expect a higher than normal pullout unless we see a very wet winter. And that could happen. It certainly could. And we're always optimistic for for the rain. And, you know, the, the follow up that I had as well on on all of that is it's true that the north does generally have. Uh, wetter winters uh, and has you know more readily available s- supply of water, but I think that's you know why I, I started off the whole conversation about talking about those reservoirs. I mean, particularly Lake Orville and, and Shasta, both of which are again at record lows for this time of year with nominal snowpack. So I, I guess I'm kind of pushing back on this idea that if you're in the north or you have growing in the north, you're going to be safe from from this drought. I'm not convinced. Are, are you? 
Well, yes and no. I'd rather be in the north than not, as far as water is concerned. The entire state's affected. And in the north, especially on the west side, they have just as serious water concerns as anywhere else in the state. The difference, and we, we do, the majority of our own farming is, is in the north state. Uh, their, their aquifers are tremendous in size. There's a lot of volume of water underground. And they get filled primarily from heavy rains that feed creeks, that feed the reservoirs, not necessarily from snowpack like here in the Central Valley, where our aquifers are primarily recharged via the snowpack. So we test our water and monitor the depths of our aquifers. And in the heat of the last drought, we've seen virtually no effect or minimal effect to the aquifer as far as it going down. Saying that, there, there's two aquifers, okay? The, the original growers that have been there a long time, they're down 150, 250 feet. And there's an aquifer. Then all the new development that's gone down up there, they're, you know, five to 800 feet. And there's a lot of water at that level. But what happens is the aquifer at, at the lower depth had issues. So you had growers that had to drop wells to get to the to to get to the the larger aquifer but there is water there for the most for the most part and it's not like the aquifers in the center and the and the uh in the south where you know heavy pumping it has depleted them and it takes a while to recharge the north recharges very quick so the downside of farming in the north is you're typically three to five hundred pounds an acre less in yield because of the rain and the weather conditions during bloom. This last year, of course, that was not the case right, yeah. as they shattered records for yield per acre and, and so forth in, in that uh, growing region. So, I mean, but yeah, is water concerned? Yeah, it's concerned for everybody. I just think it's less of a concern for for the North region. Well, and that that's fair. And, and thanks for enlightening us on, on the aquifers. I think that's a, you know, a really good piece to, when you're talking about water and water availability, um, so thank you for that. And, you know, I, I think what I'm trying to say is it feels to me like you're confident that the growers and in the industry have done what they needed to do to weather this year's drought conditions um, that were looking good. And that that eight or that 2.8, that 2.5 number that that you're feeling at this point in time doesn't need to be further discounted for the potential for for dry dry weather that's already kind of factored in. So so you're feeling that that 2.8 2.85 right around there that's a solid number right now and and you're sticking to it. Yeah, until you know something else would change my mind. I mean, we're going to see the uh we have two surveys, NAS surveys, the subjective and objective estimates I think in May and July and you know, what we'll, they tend to go the industry tends to go with with uh, those estimates, but a couple of years ago, they were off the mark quite a bit. Nobody bought into it. So I do know talking to a lot of different growers, customers, you know, a lot of stakeholders in the industry, everybody's pretty comfortable that there's two eight to two nine. You know, there's, it's, it's hard to come up with a two nine number, but it's hard to come up with much below a two eight. So when you have that kind of a consensus, I, I just don't, I just don't see anybody's minds are going to change in, unless there is an event that uh, 
that's unexpected right now. Well, fair enough, and we'll see how it goes. Um, I think that uh, marks our our next time uh, getting together, Bob. Sometime uh, you know towards the end of the crop year when we've had some of those forecasts uh, come out and surveys, so we can talk about it and see uh, where we are then. So let's put that on the calendar, and then until uh, then. I appreciate it, Bob. I think this was a, a great conversation. I always enjoy talking to you um, and hope you listeners out there learned something. So thanks, Bob. You're welcome. I enjoy the podcast this time of year because uh, a lot of the question marks are answered and uh, there's a little more solid information uh, to talk about. So uh, I will look forward to the next one as well. Well, we'll certainly look forward to that, Bob. Thanks once again. Until then, though, my name is Alan Burwell, and this has been the Nut News Podcast. And if you don't think I'm nuts yet, well, you probably didn't listen to the whole thing because all we talked about is almonds. Here's the obligatory plugs for our social media, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. We're there. Find us. Come say hello. Want more of the podcast? Well, you can find us on your normal streaming options like Spotify and iTunes. We're there. But you can also find it archived on selectharvestusa.com under the News and Resources tabs. And if you haven't figured it out yet, you're looking for nut news. Nut news.